0: They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the Who's down in Whoville will all cry, boo That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. He paused. And the Grinch put a hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. But this, this sound wasn't sad, What? Well, this sound sounded glad. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing, without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more.
1: Now, we don't normally show cartoons. Um, but an interesting thought and a real one Uh, maybe Christmas perhaps means a a little bit more in fact that's the quest I think that has gone on uh, since the very first Christmas as people have tried to understand and comprehend it in the midst of of a world that is directly opposed to it. This week I was reading um, the writings of, uh, of a person who has just put together their uh, list, their compilation of, of seven complaints around Christmas. And they said the first complaint was that Christmas starts too early. Second, that it costs too much. Third, that it comes with all sorts of logistical problems, moving people around. Fourth, that time with pe- you end up having to spend time with people you dislike. Fifth, it just ends in family fights. Sixth, it's covered in commercialism. Seven, it involves all sorts of travel. And eight, not everyone's pleased with Christmas. Can we turn the echo down a little bit? Now, the problems listed in that compilation really have been around since the very beginning of time. Um, Christmas started too early for those in Jesus' time who are comfortable and happy with the way things were. Um, Christmas cost too much. In fact, it costs really the life of his son in the end. Um, It came with all sorts of logistical problems when we see uh, this young couple having to scurry all around, being chased and hunted. It meant spending time with people maybe you don't dislike, but people who dislike you. And that was the case for Mary and Joseph. The family fights, the splitting that came at Christmas when people had to, in their own family of Israel, draw sides. The complaint of commercialism because Jesus was born at a time in which commercialism was flourishing to the point that the poor couldn't even find room in an inn. And uh, number seven, the travel. Having to travel back. I mean, we complain now about having to take our kids to our in-laws. Think about what it was like for Mary and Joseph. Having to run from a king that would hunt him. And lastly, not everyone's pleased with Christmas. Well, no one was pleased with Christmas at the time. In fact, Herod wanted to hunt down all the children and kill them. It's interesting, though. All those complaints are legitimate they're still part of our lives as they were from the very first Christmas. This morning, I want to go back to looking at the point, the quest of Christmas, of getting beyond all the junk that seems to attack Christmas, that seems to attack our own very lives. And to look at the quest of finding that little bit more that we always feel gets robbed in Christmas. That little bit more that sometimes we can walk away from Christmas feeling unsatisfied because we just feel like we're missing something. Um, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to look at what I call the unsung gifts of Christmas, What I mean by that is, they're unsung because they're missed. They're gifts that are the byproduct of Christmas, and yet they're inseparable from Christmas. I want you to hear that. They're the byproducts, and yet they're inseparable from Christmas itself. Um, in fact, if somehow you could separate them, Christmas would be, would be empty without them. One of the gifts that we're going to look at this morning that we find in Christmas is the gift of beauty. Now, uh, let me give you a definition of beauty, because that can sound kind of vague. Um, so let me first give you Webster's definition of beauty. Do you have that up there, Andreas? Oh, I'm looking in the wrong place. The purpose of beauty is to transcend... No, no, back up, back up, definition. There, no, no, keep going. There you go. The quality or aggregate of qualities in a person or thing that gives pleasure to the senses or pleasurably exalts, I think it says, or inspires... The human mind now that, that's, a, that's a secular definition, and, and yeah there's, there's truth to that that it, it brings beauty brings pleasure and it exalts and inspires the mind. but let me give you a more biblical definition. The purpose of beauty is to transcend humanity and to point us. To divinity. The purpose of beauty is to transcend humanity and point us to divinity. I mean, I I don't know about you, but if I'm walking in the woods and it's a beautiful day and I can see the sun gleaming from the trees, I don't just think, wow, trees, aren't trees wonderful? I thank God, I look and I say, what a God we have, what a creator we have. When you go to the Grand Canyon and you look out over it, it's almost too much to take in. You know, I love that um, um, vacation with um, Chevy Chase where they, they go to the Grand Canyon And they stop and they look at it for a minute and he says, okay, we're done, let's go. I can get that because in one sense it's so big. And yet if you look at it through the eyes of God, if you look at it seeking beauty, real beauty, you look and you say, what a God we have. His fingerprints are all over this. That's, that's really the goal of beauty. That is why God has given us beauty. Beauty, the purpose is to transcend humanity and to point us to divinity. But let me say something else about it. Go to the next slide. Beauty that, that does not transcend humanity is a masking of what's ugly. Beauty that does not transcend humanity, that does not point to divinity. It's just a masking of what's ugly. And it's funny, we don't, we don't live like this. Our world doesn't live like this. Our world looks at the masking of the ugly and calls it beauty. Beauty. Our world uh, looks at uh, men and women who are handsome and who are attractive and who are well photoshopped, and we say, Well, that's beauty. But no, on its own, it's, it's not beauty. Even if you think of it just on the appearance side, wait a few years. And the masking will disappear. The things that we call beauty that causes us to act in ugly ways. The idea of if if I can have the, the perfect job and and the perfect family and the perfect life, it'll I mean that's beauty. And yet all that really leads to is, is greed and and sin. All it leads to is expectations of others around us. You see, beauty that doesn't transcend humanity and point to divinity, it's just ugly. If you want to know what ugly is, that's what ugly is. When you and I act and live in a way that is just steeped in humanity, that is just steeped in our flesh, that is built up on shallowness, on cosmetics and on flashy cars and things, we just look ugly. Even though we think we're portraying beauty, all we're really doing is betraying beauty because that's not what beauty is see what what Christmas does is Christmas gives us a real look at beauty it it, it helps us to to change and shift our way of thinking and understanding and see beauty and what God is doing. This morning, I just wanna share just some of the fine points that we see in, in the scriptures, particularly as we look at Matthew chapter one and a little bit in chapter two. Because I just wanna, I wanna point it out to you. So that is, as, as you go about Christmas this year, you'll be thinking of all the blessings of Christmas I don't, I don't want you to miss the fact that what makes them blessings is the beauty that comes out of those blessings. Look what we read, beginning at verse 17. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to to the messiah and before that we see all of uh, the listing of the names of the generations what is matthew pointing out well i want to say he's pointing out the beauty of history that there's beauty in history because in history we we get a picture of community we get a picture of of connection. In, in history, we get an understanding of consistency. And, and what makes history really beautiful is when you understand that it's God inaugurated from creation to consummation. It's beautiful because it's God putting on his great play before us. His play that includes us. His play that says, from in human history, I have worked something beautiful. Creation and redemption. Glorification. What makes Christmas so beautiful is that it happens in human history, that God breaks into the scene. The the vertical comes crashing down into the horizontal. Light comes into the darkness. In the midst of our days, in the reality of our history, which when we understand it through the lenses of the beauty of God, we recognize that history is his story and that in his story, we find our story. See, what makes Christmas so beautiful is we recognize we're connected to that. We're part of that history, we're part of that community. See, we we live in a world that wants to paint Christmas as a fairy tale, that wants to paint Christmas as a myth But the writers of the gospel won't allow you to do it. Uh, For Matthew and in Luke, it is is steeped in the dates and names and people and places and times that are the times of our lives, of our history. So when, when you're reading, and I hope you are, This Christmas season, Matthew's Gospel and and, and Luke's Gospel, I hope you're not skipping the history. You see, the history is there to help point us to the beauty the beauty of consistency, the beauty of being part of God's story. That's what makes it so beautiful. It's ours Quietly. Um, what you see in Christmas is the beauty of history, but the beauty of integrity. The, the beauty of, of walking with God. Of doing what's right. I mean, when you read this story, when you read that, you think... What a guy, huh? I mean, he could have easily just had her stoned because they were betrothed. I mean, it was a legal contract. And he could have gone to the world and said, she broke the contract. She cheated on me. I don't buy this stuff of, oh, really, you're pregnant because God made you pregnant? He could have done that in a heartbeat. And, and his integrity He said, you know, this goes against the law. But there's no law without love. And so he, he beautifully balances them and says, well, I'll just wait to do away with her quietly. And he can't blame him at the time. He didn't know. All he knew was that she was pregnant. Beauty comes in integrity. The integrity of the story. The integrity of the players. The integrity of people who do what's right. That's what Christmas is about. It's about people who are looking to live and the holiness and the integrity and the beauty that that God makes available to us if we're willing to be available to it. It's found in history. It's found in integrity. Number three. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, be what Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save them from their sins. <laughs> Where do we see beauty most culminated? In mercy. What's more beautiful than mercy? History is a, the history of of salvation the history of christmas is that god showed us mercy when we didn't deserve it that's what mercy's all about it's giving someone what they don't deserve you see when god sent his son into the world he was on a rescue mission because they couldn't rescue themselves, we couldn't rescue ourselves. He came to take away our sins by the giving of his own son. That's mercy. You know, it's funny, I, um, I look at all of this, and I think to myself, God, why'd you come as a baby? I mean, why don't you just, you know, show up as a man and just declare that everyone's going to be forgiven, or show up as a man, do your ministry, go to the cross, be put to death, and just leave it at that. But there's no beauty in that. The beauty of the story is Jesus comes as a baby. He comes as weak and fragile that we might see it's an innocence restored that mercy comes to us. What's beautiful about Christmas? God's mercy. I mean, that should just ring in our hearts all the time that God loves me and he shows me his mercy Now here's the thing about that, right? Christmas then should be about us living as people of mercy. As people who are more than happy to forgive. Who are more than happy when someone comes to us and says, I'm sorry. To say to them, it's okay because there's nothing you can do to me that can compare to what has been done for me. Think about that. Think about the people uh, in your lives who need mercy. Think about the people in your lives who need forgiveness that you just as soon not forgive. Maybe you have even pledged I'll never forgive them for that. What you're saying then is what has been done to me is greater than what has been done for me. And you negate the beauty of it. And beauty just turns into something that's ugly. What is the beauty of Christmas. It's found in history. It's found in integrity. It's found in mercy. Number four. All this took the place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The beauty that's found in community. What's the difference between the community of Manchester and the community of Faith Baptist Church? We're all a bunch of people gathered together. We all pay our taxes, our tithe. Um, no. What makes us different? God with us. We're not just a community of people who come together. We're a people who come together with God amongst us, within us. What makes Christmas so beautiful? The incarnation. God putting on flesh and saying, I'm with you. All of you guys who are gathered, I'm with you. Though the whole world might be against you, I'm with you. We're in community. Common unity. The beauty of that, when we think of the word community in its best sense, doesn't it come across with the air of beauty. What's really beautiful? People who come together and who are given the power to love each other. And who have each other's backs, who, walks, who walk with one another because God has done something beautiful. God has made it possible because he came right to them in the midst of them Inside of them and draws them together with one another. I mean, you can't get better than that. What do I love about the story of Christmas community? God with us. God for us. God who will be in us. You see, How do you separate beauty from How can you take beauty out of that? It's it's beautiful. In fact, community without the incarnation is no community at all. It's just a coming together of people for mutual concerns that will part once those concerns are over. The community that we have in Christ Jesus the community that God created by drawing us together in him, it's eternal. Why do we show mercy? Because it's been shown to us and there's the understanding that we're going to dwell with each other for all of eternity. And we don't want to be on the other side having to say we're sorry that we became short-sighted. That we forgot the beauty of what God did for us in Christmas. <clears throat> Next, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. The beauty of family., I mean, what do we like about the story? You got a man and a woman and a child scared to death, clinging to one another, being loyal to one another, going through awful things, having to endure awful places, and yet doesn't really matter because they go through it together as a family. What makes Christmas so beautiful family we look at this family and it attracts us and it shows the beauty of of two young people who who don't know much and don't who don't have much and yet we're we're cheering for them we're rooting for them because we see the beauty of family as believers in Christ That's part of our responsibility. Not to make family an idol. And I've seen that. Where people care more about their kids than they care about Christ. They think about caring about their kids is the same as caring about Christ. It's not. It's a byproduct. Loving your wife, loving your husband... Loving your children, standing up and and doing and saying the hard things too. There's beauty in family. When we do family as God would have us to do it. You know, I don't think there's a family in the world that doesn't struggle at one time or another, economically or stress and pressure or disease or death, illness. Just remember this. Think back on Mary and Joseph and realize God was with that family. God will be with your family. Don't ever think you've been abandoned or alone no matter how tough things look. I mean, come on. How would you like to be Mary and Joseph? I mean, it was a pretty awful start to a family. It could have been very depressing for both of them to think, what are we doing here? And what am I doing with you? And wouldn't it be better, wouldn't it be easier if we just kind of you know, split up this family and and just kind of go off on our own and, and you take care of you and I'll take care of me. That's not what family does. There is beauty in family when, when family is lived out in ministry to one another. Next. Next. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And she gave him, and he gave him the name Jesus. The beauty of what's holy. Why do we love this story? Because it's holy. I mean, this woman is now Joseph's wife and yet he understands that God's hands are upon her. That God, through the power of His Holy Spirit, has put a child within her. And He honors it. He honors what's holy and He honors what's sacred. That's why Christmas is holy. It is God coming into this world and purity, and glory, and, and calling us to engage. What, what makes Christmas beautiful for you? When you see the holiness in it, and you walk in it as best as you can by God's spirit. When you try to live a life of purity, because that's what being holy is all about. It's being like God who is 100% pure without sin. Joseph tries to do what's right by his wife, but more importantly, he tries to do what's right by God. He understands that, there are, that the things that God has declared holy you don't play games with. Think about just the things we're taught in Scripture. On the Sabbath day. Why? God has called it holy. In other words, it's not yours. It's his. So when you decide, you know what, I'm going to the beach. You took what was holy and what was filled with beauty and you just made it ugly. You did. Because what's holy is something that is set apart. It is something that is sacred. It is something that God calls us to engage with, to make us holy. And when we don't, It's no longer holy because there's no longer any beauty because we've just made it ugly. Next slide. Matthew 2. During the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star and came to worship him. Lastly, what is it about this story that's so beautiful? Majesty. I mean, the, the majesty and the glory of God that's all over this story. I mean, so we look at the story and, and, and we see its history, we see its, in, its integrity, we see its mercy and community, we see family and we see what's holy And we look at it and we see the majesty of what happens when God shows up. Things just become big. Things become overwhelming so that you can't help but fall on your knees. You can't help but sing. You can't help but feel inspired. You can't help but to see humanity transcended and divinity exalted. Exalted. As we go through Christmas, I want you to be thinking about this stuff. Because when we talk about Christmas, we often don't talk about beauty. And yet the story is filled with beauty. And, and you can't t- take the beauty away or the story is empty, but the beauty is a byproduct of all that goes on in the story. And and if you get it, if you if you grasp onto it, then you begin to find out Christmas a little bit more than I thought. Then you begin to find out life is a little bit more than I thought. You get to leave Christmas and know that because of what God has done in his son he has redefined beauty. He has made it something powerful and accessible. there was a cosmetic company that um, was looking to find someone that could manifest to uh, present their cosmetics in a way that just would capture people. And so they went out and they started a campaign and they asked uh, people uh, to write stories about someone that that they thought really exemplified beauty to, uh, to come and be part of the cover of their magazine um, to put on their products. And so uh, this one gentleman wrote in and told the story, excuse me, about the most beautiful woman he had ever met. And he said, I grew up in this terrible area and this woman, she lived a few streets down and I would just, I would run away to escape and I, and I would go to her house. And, and she would encourage me and she would you know, make me snacks and, and hot chocolate and, and she would help me. And then when I, would, when I would leave, she would yell at me down the street, I'm proud of you. And he said, it, it, it's, it's what took me from that place and allowed me to become a functional person. And so, with this letter, he sent a picture of her, uh, and she was an older woman whose hair was kind of haggard, and she was missing teeth. And and, and they said, we can't we can't use this. Yeah, a nice story, but we we can't use this. And so they wrote him back, and they told him, you know, we appreciate your story, and 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 it seems wonderful and beautiful, but. But you see, we can't use her as, as a model because if, if we were to put her story up with that picture and if people were even attracted to it they would find out that beauty is more than skin deep. See, beauty is more than skin deep. Beauty has to transcend humanity. And if it doesn't transcend humanity, then it's just masking what's ugly in this world. So real quick, how do you do it? Very simply. Philippians chapter four. Paul writes this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do you know in the Middle Ages when the church was trying to figure out how do we know what art is really art That's pleasing to God. How do we know what beauty really is in a song or a story? They use this as a criteria. You want to know what beauty is? Beauty is whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on those things. Because in those things you'll find beauty. And so as you go out this week, be agents of beauty, be observers of it. But more than that, be examples of it. Let's pray.